Welcome to the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast, your place to reclaim your life after betrayal. I'm Jen Howie. And I'm Chris Rocha. You're listening to episode one. Wow, Jen, (laughs) this has been a long time dream of ours and now here we are. And I can't be more excited to link arms with you and to bring hope and healing to women. We both have our own stories to tell and we will do that in future episodes. But for today, we're going to start with a much needed and much requested important topic. Yes, I am so looking forward to sharing the heart behind how all of this got started. But you and I both decided that we really wanted episode one to be a place where women can get the emergency tools and information that they need and uh, start their own recovery story. So with that, Chris, let's, let's do this. What is D-Day and what is betrayal trauma? Here it is, D-Day, how to survive the first week and beyond. A survival guide, essentially. Yeah. And for our women who are listening, some of them are just the very beginning steps of this. What is D-Day, Jen? And what is betrayal trauma? All right. So D-Day usually refers to Discovery Day. And for many people, that could be the, the first time they even had any idea that something was taking place. And for others, they they've kind of had this gut feeling that something was coming. So Not D-Day, quite right. Right, yeah. So D-Day is very different for everybody. And um, we will get into the details of that more as not only as we share our own stories, but as we have uh, guests come on and, and explain a little bit more about what that experience is like. But to answer your question about what is betrayal trauma, first and foremost, there's something that I want our listeners to understand about trauma. Trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. Betrayal trauma is a type of trauma that refers to the pain or the emotional distress that happens when a trusted loved one, a friend, an intimate partner, or even an institution violates someone's trust. And the experience can often make you feel like you're crazy or feeling out of control, losing your mind. And the thing is that there's actually a reason for this. When the brain is experiencing trauma, there are certain areas of it that essentially light up and are heightened, and then other areas of the brain that sort of go offline. So, for example, the prefrontal cortex is in front, kind of where your forehead is. It's the part of the brain that regulates emotions. It usually does a great job, Mm -hmm. unless you're a toddler. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not as effective when it's experiencing emotional trauma. And it becomes vulnerable to other parts of the brain. Essentially, it gets hijacked by the limbic system. So part of the limbic system, there's, there's a section of the brain called the amygdala. And it's the fear center of the brain. And it senses uh, negative emotions, for example, like fear, right? Mm-hmm. So then the prefrontal cortex, that, that part that rationalizes the emotion, usually has an opportunity to react to the fear and stabilize it. But what happens in trauma is that this rationality gets overridden by the fear and your prefrontal cortex has a really hard time regulating its fear or other emotions that are flooding you. And this sends us into a state of, uh, into emotional dysregulation, Mm -hmm. essentially. 
And on this podcast, you're actually going to hear us talk about the limbic system quite frequently. Quite a bit. We'll often refer to it as going limbic. And this limbic system is actually responsible for memory, emotion, and managing stress responses, including the, the concept of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. The limbic system can make a trauma survivor constantly fearful. Essentially, when triggered by events and situations that remind them of their past trauma, and it creates a sort of uh, survival response in their system, which is great in short-term situations. Especially when you're being chased by a bear. (laughs) Yes, essentially. Yes. I mean, if you're being chased by a bear, you definitely want it to kick in to survive. Mm -hmm. But it's not so great when it becomes a place that we live in day in and day out for years on end. Right. We don't want to pitch a tent there. No, my goodness, no. So, But here's the deal. If you are experiencing intrusive thoughts, paranoia, hypervigilance, feelings of not being safe, uh, a sense of inadequacy or embarrassment, self-blame, decreased self-esteem, say isolation, loss of identity, negative body image. I'm going to go on here. Mm. Uh, Sleeping too little, sleeping too much, adrenaline rushes, high blood pressure. Let's say you can't stop crying or you have changes in appetite. Maybe you're reliving events over and over and over again, or maybe even minimizing. Friends, if you are experiencing these type of symptoms, be rest assured that there are very normal responses when you're experiencing betrayal trauma. When D-Day happens, where do I go? When D-Day happens and my brain is in trauma, where do I go? For many people, it's that I'm going to go to the church. I'm going to go to my pastor. Who do I tell? Yeah. Yeah. I need help. I need support. Yeah. This is a question that you and I get so frequently. And we have learned that, yes, you should go to your pastor if he or she has specialized training. Um, Betrayal trauma is such a specialized uh, niche in therapy. And so there are certain letters that you should look for when you're searching for a pastor or a therapist or even a life coach to help you through this, um, this situation. So the first one is a CSAT. So someone who has CSAT training, and that stands for certified sex addiction therapist, has specialized training in the area of sex addiction. And then the next one is called an APSATS, A-P-S-A-T-S. So these people have been specifically trained in how to support a betrayed partner and they're, it's a fantastic organization. The next one is PSAP. So that stands for Pastoral Sex Addiction Professional. That, that is specifically for pastors and, and support people in the church. And you and I have that training. So anyone with a CSAT, an APSATS, or a PSAP certification, those are three that we're very familiar with that we would highly recommend those these uh, clinicians and, and um, pastors, lay, lay people even, have had this specialized training to support us. Something that happens in the church is a concept that we'll, we'll talk about in the future as well. We'll have a, a whole episode on this. It's called spiritual bypass. 
And I just want to say, gosh, bless, bless the church's heart. They try <laughs> so hard. You know, the body of Christ, they, we, we try, oh, pray, pray more is something that, it's that will well say. It's intended for the most part. It is. They're doing the best they can, to quote Maya Angelou, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah. But when we know better, we need to do better. So, um, yeah, well-intended, but they'll say, you know, things like pray more, oh, memorize more scripture. How's your faith? You know, where, where's your walk with God on this? Or, you know, just give it to Jesus. And those are all very important things to do. It's true. However, whatever the addiction is, is, is something that is, has entrapped the mind. There's hormones and chemicals in the brain that are involved, and these are coping mechanisms. And, and we always say in the industry that, um, that an addiction is a symptom of a deeper problem. The addict is trying to medicate a deeper pain. And yes, the Holy Spirit can get in there and do that magic uh, and, and do that work. He, he, there can be a miraculous deliverance, but those times are rare. Often God is asking us to come in and do the hard work, yeah. see the therapist, mm-hmm. join a group, um, be, have accountability partners, be present, be vulnerable, take risks. And, uh, and it's a, it, it has to do with the remapping of the mind, right? Yes, Re, yes. Reforming those neurotransmitters yeah, that have I mean, been formed over the, decades. Yeah. In the Bible, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. And yeah. science backs that up yep. and now gives us tools in doing that yeah. along with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Do you hear in the women that you walk with and the groups that you lead this concept where people have taken the Bible and says, do not deny yourself, your husband. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard a woman say that that's the advice that she got from a pastor? Oh, right. Yeah. How's your sex life? Go out and buy some lingerie. Let's create some novelty. And that's not the problem. Sex isn't the issue mm-hmm. when it comes to sex addiction. It's not a sex problem. It's an intimacy disorder. Shopping is when you search for information with the knowledge that the result will probably cause you pain. Jen, let's talk about pain shopping and hypervigilance. You know, uh, something we hear a lot is help. I can't stop searching his computer and his phone. What should I do? I'm trapped in a spiral. So, after when we first are discovering someone's betrayal, Out of our need for security and safety, we will do some very intensive Mm -hmm. investigating, really for the sake of understanding what my reality actually is. So initially, it's really searching for safety and security. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. Get it. In partner betrayal, that often looks like spending a lot of time looking at computer history, text messages, social media, maybe driving by a location to see what you can see or hoping to not see Mm -hmm. what might be there, or even secretly recording conversations, things like that. Those are things that we will do in, in an effort to know our reality. In many cases, these things have been necessary and, and give us an accurate picture of what's going on. But pain shopping is when you search for information with the knowledge that the result will probably cause you pain. So when you're looking for or at things that you know will do nothing but hurt you, Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about when it comes to pain shopping. 
So I think it's important to note that pain shopping is really our way of finding a fix. It's our attempt at self-regulating. I also think it's important to ask ourselves the question, is this hurting or helping me in this moment? Mm-hmm. My therapist always says, are you building a wall or a bridge? Yeah, for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we're not looking to build a wall or a bridge with our spouse at this right. point. They're not safe. Right. And the wall and the bridge have been destroyed. Yeah. But in relationship to self-regulation to creating, figuring out what my needs are in this moment and to speak those needs and draw boundaries around those needs, Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, It's important to understand that if your heart is racing, Mm -hmm. if you have hives on your, on your body, if you're trembling, you might really want to consider that this may not be the healthiest option for me at this moment. Yes, I understand that you're gaining information to understand what your reality is. That's legit. Yes. But if you are having physical symptoms, we have to show up for ourselves in that moment and say, okay, I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to reach out to somebody. I'm going to call Chris or Jen, my PSAP, whatever, and, and really get myself into a place of back into emotional regulation because I've got a long road ahead of me. And, um, pain shopping won't get me there. So it's a very delicate balance of finding out what you need to know to move forward and finding out things that keep you in the depths of, of the pain that you're in. So it's not really black or white and we need people to speak into our lives to help us figure out, okay, is this helping or hurting me in this moment? Amen. So Mm -hmm. that's my thought on that. And, and really the, important piece of that is to reach out um, to someone that you trust to give you some perspective on it. Absolutely. Good, good advice. The Bible puts an emphasis on us loving ourselves well and taking care of ourselves well so that we can love others in the same way. Chris, you use a term called soul care, which I really love because it really puts a different emphasis on what we're aiming to do. So talk to us a little bit about that. Why is it important? Um, What is this concept and how do we apply it in these moments? Great question. So Jesus tells us in scripture over and over many times, if you do a search on this, how often does it say, love your neighbor as yourself? You'll find so many scriptures that reference that. So the Bible puts an emphasis on us loving ourselves well and taking care of ourselves well so that we can love others in the same way. So I've stopped and asked myself, gosh, how am I doing with me? Am I, is this, is this the way that I would want to love and show up for someone else? And most of the time, my answer in the past has been, Ooh, this is I'm not doing well for, for me. I need to do better. So soul care is so important. And so I just want to emphasize that we are a wise investment, whether it's time or resources, you know, finances. If you need to adjust your your budget to make room for good soul care, you are worth it. And and even God's word tells us that's that's true. You are. So um, we got to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. So soul care is different for every person. We have to figure out what works for us. Mm-hmm. And, because what works for me, Jen 
might not work for you. Yeah. And we have found that to be true. Yes, we have. Yeah. I love bubble baths. I love... Actually, you. I do too. Yeah, you do too. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yeah. But there are some things that you love to do that don't don't, don't work for me. Yeah. So... Uh, a couple examples of what soul care looks like might be time spending time with God, a daily spiritual practice, walks in nature. Uh, there's a, a concept being talked about quite a bit called grounding, you know, taking your shoes off, putting your feet in the dirt or the grass or the sand and just, just, just. Yeah, just soaking in nature. Uh, music is powerful. Yeah. Worship music or just your favorite playlist, you know, whatever whatever brings you that emotion, whether it's peace or joy or, you know, dancing in your living room or or listening to a sad song that you can cry yes, with can be <laughs> so cathartic, right? Yes. Grab me that song that takes me to that place that tells me you get me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. I know for, for me, when I have been in times of distress, uh, my mom gave me some great advice, which was to read the Psalms out loud, pick a Psalm, Ooh. any Psalm <laughs> and, and, and pace the floor and read it out loud. Yeah. Because when I'm void of words, it gives me comfort yes. to know that someone, what, 4,000 years ago, experienced the emotions I'm feeling right now. And and David gives me those words yeah. that I can say. That's so good. I, I had a hard time. I'll be honest. It was hard to connect to the Word of God in those moments. It was hard to read. It was hard to read out loud. I certainly couldn't sing. But mm-hmm. there were songs like we had chatted about this earlier like 10th Avenue North, their song called Warn. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Word of God also talks about how the Holy Spirit hears the groanings. Yes. And, and prays on our behalf. <laughs> that song, Warn, really articulated what I was feeling. And that's the beautiful thing about music is that it it really can, since we don't have access to the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. that part of our brain that that can think straight, Music can really do that for us. Oh gosh, yeah, therapeutic levels yeah. of of yeah of help there. Uh, for me, it was anything by a group called Out of the Dust. They have their own betrayal story and uh, and and victory there, but they oh their music is is personal, mm. and they get it. So, yeah. yep, arts and crafts. So our Ooh. art, <laughs> see, not an arts and crafts person, and that's where we differ. Because yes. I, when I'm when I'm stressed out or having a difficult time, I love to watercolor paint. Oh, and you do a beautiful job. Thank you. So it, you know, different things for different people. Working out, science has told has told us that a brisk walk three times a week for half an hour has the same effect on the mind and body that an antidepressant prescription does. Yeah. That's amazing. Yes. So we can get that same effect by by dedicating time to work out. Uh, coffee with a friend, you know, and you don't have to talk about betrayal trauma. You can just show up with a friend and just and just have some interaction and not and, uh, not isolate. And the other thing I want to say is tell yourself the truth. And, and we can do that by, you know, having friends who are truth tellers. And then the last thing on this is, you know, there's a, there's something that you and I talk about quite a bit called false beliefs. Mm-hmm. So it's important to have friends in our lives, you know, again, therapists, 
People who will identify where maybe we're spiraling, we're stuck in negative thoughts, we're not telling ourselves the truth, and we're buying into false beliefs. This is common. This is normal. Mm-hmm. It, you know, when you're in betrayal trauma, you got trauma brain going on. Yep. yep. This is where support is so important to be able to, if we can't identify our false beliefs ourselves, lies we're buying into, Uh, then it's important to have people in our lives who can identify those for us and encourage us. Definitely. Lies like, it's always going to be this way. Mm -hmm. I, um, nothing, I'll always be in pain. You know, those, those sort of big, always never Mm -hmm. statements. Mm -hmm. And the only the area that God works, he says, I will always be there for you. Mm-hmm. I will never. never forsake you. Yes. So the always and nevers, they apply, but only in the context of relationship with Christ, yeah. only in the context of his faithfulness to us. Only to in the us, context of God's nature. Yes. Mm-hmm. To bring us through something. Mm-hmm. So always and never do apply, but rarely in our circumstances, usually in relationship to the character of God and who he says he'll be. So we need those friends. You're right to, to put away the belief that we're not going to be okay and Mm -hmm. to speak truth into us and to remind us who God is, what he's always already brought us through and, and the promise of where he may take us, even though we may not know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A little bit of a tangent there. That's good. That was a good good soapbox. (laughs) Yep. I applaud. Yeah. So these are all excellent forms of soul care and there are many more resources and recommendations to go to to just kind of get you started in all of this. So on that note, Jen, uh, the next item in our survival guide is support. We've touched on that a little bit already, but Jen, what are some of our recommendations as to where women should go for support? Yes. So there's a few organizations, podcasts, books. We talked about a couple of songs that we like. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as organizations go, there's there's a lot of fantastic organizations that walked us through our stuff and that we highly recommend to other people. Yes. So uh, first and foremost, Pure Life Alliance is a fantastic organization as a resource, not just for you, but for the person who is struggling with sexual coping as well. Organizations Mm -hmm. like Be Broken, 423 Ministries, Pure Desire, Bethesda, I think it's Bethesda Workshops. Is is that the official name? Mm -hmm. Uh, Daring Ventures Mm -hmm. with Jake Porter. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Great organization. Yes. Uh, The Green Shoe Foundation. Now, they're not necessarily, if I remember correctly, I don't know that they are a Christian organization, but peop, I know many people that have gone there. That what are have, they called? It's called the Green Shoe Foundation. Green Shoe. Okay. Interesting. Fantastic family of origin work. Wow. Fantastic. And the cool thing is, is that for the most part, I actually think it's free. I think you have to put like money down and then you get it back or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Look into it. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended mm-hmm. from many people that I know that have gone through it. I look forward to going through it someday just as someone who values continued growth. Mm -hmm. And these organizations offer groups for women, groups for men. Sometimes they, they offer uh, therapy. So they've got counselors uh, at, at, not on staff or just available mm-hmm. coaching, etc. They've got lots of resources. We mentioned APSATS before mm-hmm. another organization. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yep. That you might want to look into as well. So with that, you know, there's podcasts like 
the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast. Whoa, I love yeah. those. I love those ladies. Yes, they're anyway. <laughs> Um, the Living Truth podcast, mm-hmm. um, podcasts like Pure Sex Radio, Therapy and Theology. Lisa all, Turkhurst, yes. so good. Very, very sound, trustworthy podcast in our opinion. Yes. And then there's books like The Betrayal Bind uh-huh. by Michelle Mays. She's Again, got, so good. <laughs> it is. And she's got, got some great information on attachments and and how it relates to the betrayal recovery process. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, but how it's it's basically it, it explains uh, how our attachment style is at war with our trauma response yes. when we're in when we're in betrayal trauma. And it was revolutionary information yeah. for both of us. Hey, Michelle, if you're listening, yeah, we really want you to come on the podcast. Yeah, we love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, also books like uh, Boundaries and Goodbyes by Lisa Turkhurst. She's a she's a really great resource. She's got a devotional, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Um, Lisa, if you're listening. <laughs> We love any of your staff. Lisa's not listening, but Lisa, (laughs) if you are for real, girl, if you are listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Why am I not enough? Now that you have some resources, some recommendations to go to, to just kind of get you started in all of this, one question that comes up a lot in this process, even with the great friends that are speaking into our lives, that narrative that sometimes sits in our head is why am I not enough? Like I'm all that and a bag of chips, but I'm still not enough. Or maybe I don't even feel like I'm all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just feel like the bag of chips. (laughs) And this concept of knowing that we're enough and feeling like we're enough is they did, They just don't come together. It's the knowing with the prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. and the feeling with the limbic system. They're just not connecting. So, Chris, how do you address this issue of why am I not enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. This is the number one question we get when we receive crisis calls from women. That 911 SOS text comes through or the phone call, you know, they've just discovered their husband has had an affair or there's been, you know, some sometimes a year or decades worth of pornography and masturbation going on. And the question we, we spouses, men or women, male or female ask is why am I not enough? And we, we think that the, the infidelity, infidelity, the unwanted sexual behavior is a result of, of our not filling our spouse's cup. And so that this question is so common. It's so normal to ask this. However, I want to lovingly say, friends, this is not the right question because if, if you can absorb and believe unwanted sexual behavior is a result of uh, an addict wanting to medicate a deeper pain and that unwanted sexual behavior is a symptom of a deeper problem, then then we can take the leap then that the answer to that question is this has nothing to do with you. And I love the three C's from Al-Anon that say you, dear friend, didn't cause this problem. You can't control it and you can't cure it. Because yes, it has, again. because it has, yes, again. <laughs> because it has nothing to do with you. You, whether or not you're enough, is not the question. the 
the question is what is going on with my spouse? What is happening inside of him that he would that he he is going to an addictive behavior? Yeah. So And that's a question that only he can answer. Yes. Because then I have to point it back to me, what's going on inside of me? Mm-hmm. You know, the question I'm not enough is a me question, not a him question, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So you you are enough and we all have things to work on. That's completely beside beside the point. Something that we we know is that as as we pursue our own healing, no matter where we're at in, in life, no matter what we're trying to work on, as we pursue our own, our own healing, we're going to get out of that what we put into it. That's beautiful. And when you're in betrayal trauma, personal growth, working on family of origin issues, uh, old wounds that we have in our hearts and minds. This is something beautiful that God brings to us in this process is we get to heal from from those things as well. However, the immediate question, why am I not enough? Not the right question. I just want to repeat that. The question is, what is going on with my spouse? The question is, why am I not enough? The answer is, you are. Mm. You are enough. Yeah. You are amazing, you are capable, and you're in a sucky situation that you don't deserve. Yeah. Family of origin stuff, very important stuff. Boundaries first. Mm-hmm. Identify your need, speak your need, draw boundaries around your need. We'll go to family of origin mm-hmm. at some point. Mm-hmm. But healing and protecting ourselves is responsible. You've heard it said where someone's been in a car accident, you get T-boned. Not your fault. You got T-boned. Yeah. But you've got these injuries now. Right. Mm -hmm. And those injuries need to be attended to. Yes. And the person who drove the car that T-boned right into you, they're not going to take care of your injuries for you. I mean, their insurance might, but (laughs) they're not going to go to, they're not going to go to physical therapy, the grueling process of recovering from Mm -hmm. the injuries that someone else gave you. Mm -hmm. That is ours. It's not, it's not fair, Mm -hmm. but it's ours. It's in our lap and it's ours to process. So mm-hmm. I like that you said that the best thing to do is to pursue your healing. You know, and I'm glad you kept this conversation rolling here because another thing I wanted to address is the pitfall of hypersexualizing. Oh, yeah. So many women when they they believe the problem is them or they've added to this there's a lack somehow in in the marriage or in the sex life or whatnot, they will hypersexualize. They'll try to become like the women that their husbands are looking at. In pornography, they'll buy sexy lingerie. They'll they'll do their makeup. They'll go get their hair and nails done. They'll try to you know learn like learn how to flirt better with him. You know things like yeah. that. Oh my gosh, that's so painful, and and it's not going to fix it. Please, I just want to tell our listeners. I want to reach reach through the microphone, give them a big hug, and say, don't fall into that pitfall. Don't hypersexualize. You're beautiful. I like what you said. You are enough. Yeah. We all have things to work on. That doesn't matter. You are beautiful and you are you are worthy of being sacrificially loved. His issue with keeping his eyes on you mm-hmm. is his issue. Amen. Not your responsibility. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Will it always be like this? Thanks for that, Jen. All right. So the next question is, uh, will it always be like this, Jen? Maybe. Mm. I hope not. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know that answer for you. But this is a chapter in your life. It's not a life sentence. Something that I really firmly believe in is that our spouse is meant to be a source of safety, not 
the source of safety, the yeah. capital T meaning God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Our husband, our wife, our spouse is not supposed to be the source of safety. They're a source. My husband is not, my husband is a source of joy, not the source of joy. Mm-hmm. My husband is a source of comfort, not the source of comfort. Mm-hmm. So I almost want to rescind what I just said. Will it be like this? I guess the answer is still maybe, but at the same time, no. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I don't know what, how your marriage is going to go. I don't know if you all are going to heal from this together or separately. But I do know that ultimately a source and the source are two very different things. Mm-hmm. You can't expect the person who broke you to put you back together. So he is a source of your recovery process. He is not the source of your recovery process. I think the bigger question is, will I be okay? Mm, I love that. Yes. 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 hundred percent. You will. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some processing. It's going to take some support. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you identify your need, speak your need and draw boundaries around your need. And if you go to the Lord... I believe the Lord is the greatest resource of our healing. Mm-hmm. And maybe, listener, you're like, Lord Schmord. I'm mad at God right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just, you know, if he's really kind of this kind of God, do I really want to follow him? I was there. I get it. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a Christian anymore. But in the last 18 years of my healing process, mm-hmm. I can say, ride my coattails, friends. I know who the source of healing comes from. Amen. Yep. It is comes from the Holy Spirit. He does the healing. So will it always be like this? Actually, probably not when the Lord's at the helm. Will I will I be okay? Absolutely. Yep. Because the Lord is at the helm. Mm-hmm. So grab and sit on the coattails of those who've gone before you. Yep. Get your sisters in line, your brothers in line of you're a man listening to your this support system, your support system and, and know that others have gone before you. They know the way and can help you out of the season. Where I was at year three is not where I was at year five, seven, 10, 18, 18. <laughs> very, very different. Mm-hmm. I am so proud of the woman that I am today. Yeah. And I know you listener will be too. No, it won't always be like this. It'll be different. The pain doesn't necessarily always go away, but it softens mm-hmm. and it creates soil for rich, deep growth that will grow you into a person that you are really proud to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It won't always be like D-Day. No. It no, gets better. No. And, re- and and if there's a relapse, if there's a setback even with our own selves yes. as we, you know, pain shop or, or overthink, which are so common, uh, we get triggered, uh, recovery as we learn the tools, as we pursue our own healing, recover, recovery happens so much quicker. It does. And now I can apply boundaries the way I never did in my whole life yeah. because of that process. How can I learn to trust him again? here we are in this situation. Okay. How can I learn to trust him again is also a big, big question. Like, Mm -hmm. all right, I'm in year three. 
of this recovery? How can I learn to trust him again? Mm -hmm. Or even at day one, women ask us all the time, will I ever be able to trust him again? to trust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But will I ever be able to Mm -hmm. is a question that we get asked a lot. And there's this great uh, acronym, SAD, sincerity, ability, and durability. So before we can trust our spouse again, First of all, we have to learn to trust ourselves. So my what what I uh, recommend to, to women is, you know, clear the muck away. Don't worry about him right now. The first thing that needs mm-hmm. to happen is we need to pursue our own healing and take care of our own selves. This yeah. is where, you know, building our community of support, soul care comes into play, et cetera. All the things that we've, many of the things that we've talked about in this podcast already. But when it comes to answering that question, uh, what do we look for in our in our partners, in our spouses? So the first step for SAD is sincerity. And sincerity looks like him saying, oh my gosh, I've hurt you so deeply. I'm owning what I've done. Um, and and I'm, I sincerely want to fix it. I am going to call a counselor. I am going to research support groups for men. I am going to have a chat with my pastor. I'm going to gather uh, a community of accountability partners in my life. I'm going to install software like Covenant Eyes or Ever Accountable, for example, on my computer. So he is saying, I'm sincerely sorry, and I sincerely want to fix this. Great. That's a great starting point. Now, now what we do, we can't control this. He has to pursue his own healing. He has to do this work himself. We cannot do it for him. Um, So the next part is ability. And ability looks like him doing those things. So you're just off in the background taking care of your own self, and he's doing what he said he was going to do in the sincerity mode. Um, He's calling the counselor. He's, he's scheduling the appointments. He's going regularly. He is pursuing healing. You can see it happening. And then the last part of that is durability. So, you know, we've heard the phrase that it takes three to five years for an addict to truly heal, to reach sobriety, um, because it takes that long for the brain to break down those old unhealthy neuropathways and to rebuild new ones that are healthy, to form new healthy habits, Mm -hmm. because they can't just stop the addictive habits, cold turkey, they have to be replaced with something good. And I won't get into all of those right now, but the durability stage, you know, and maybe it takes longer than five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe, you know, maybe there's setbacks in that stage, but durability is that he's in that ability stage where he is doing all these new healthy habits over a long period of time. In fact, they became a, become a regular part of his daily life. Yes. Yeah. Forever. That's a great measurable, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that yeah. durability stage where the ability lines up with the consistency. Yep. And it's in that durability stage that we can possibly risk trusting again, maybe opening our heart up a little bit more, being a little more vulnerable. Hopefully during all of this, we've had you know, hard talks that are, that are good, emotionally intimate, emotionally vulnerable conversations. Uh, and I love your phrases of identify your need, speak the need and draw a boundary around the need. Yeah. Boundaries are not consequences. Amen. Yeah. Boundaries are about creating safety and cultivating love. So a boundary is if you blank, 
I will blank because I need blank. Mm -hmm. If you talk to me like that, I will leave the room because I need the space to process and feel safe again before I can engage in a conversation, whatever. So needs or boundaries are not about building walls or consequences for somebody else. Those consequences mm-hmm. come pretty naturally. And it's not, if you relapse again, I will make your life a living hell because <laughs> I need you to hurt like, because I need you to hurt like I am right now. Oh. That's control. That's, that's not and a healthy engagement. you can feel if they could, if they, Seriously. if empathy was something they were experiencing, you may not be where you are. Empathy, it takes a while to unthaw. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time for some people to unthaw and, um, and to learn. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. can't wait for someone's empathy to kick in before you draw boundaries for yourself. Yeah. 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 So with that, that is our survival guide. If there is anything that you guys would like to hear about, if you have questions, if you have needs, if there's something that you would add to this survival guide, something that you needed to hear in the first week and beyond of your recovery process after D-Day, please leave us a comment and we will link many of the items that we mentioned, the podcast, the books, the resources uh, in the show notes. Um, But yeah, that wraps up this first episode, Jen. We did it. We did it. Thank you for listening to us. We are so looking forward to walking forward with you. We've got some great guests coming up. We've got Dr. Jake Porter coming on the show, uh, Jenna Remersma, uh, Tammy Gustafson. So excited to have her on here and more. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to uh, moving forward with you. And, and thank you for letting us walk this journey with you, friends. We are grateful for your presence. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast with your hosts, Chris Rocha and Jen Howie. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review to help others find healing too. Need personalized guidance? Contact Jen Howie or Chris Rocha for transformational coaching. This episode has been brought to you by HealingWithTheHowies.com, WatermarkCoach.com, and with the support of Pure Life Alliance.